Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This is Pardes from Jerusalem. I'm Larry Kluger, a Pardes alum. This is a special Hanukkah podcast. If you will be in Jerusalem in January or February, then I'd like to call your attention to our series of talks by Dr. Viva Zornberg, Women in the Wilderness, Four Narratives of Spiritual Power. Dr. Aviva Zornberg will be uh, presenting as part of the Sydney and Miriam Brettler Memorial Series for this year. So check out all the events. There'll be four of, four of them with Dr. Zornberg, plus many other events are all listed on the Pardes website, pardes.org.il, and look for the events calendar. This is a special Hanukkah podcast by Rabbi Mike Foyer. Rabbi Mike Foyer is a member of the Pardes faculty. And now, Rabbi Mike Foyer. I love numbers. I got to confess it. Now, once upon a time, I actually loved math, geometry, algebra, calculus, all of it. But at this point, when the practice is far behind me, I simply love numbers. And in particular, I love how numbers function within the world of Torah, because neither the Torah nor the sages in my eyes are actually interested in math. It's not that math isn't relevant. It's just that they go for the more fundamental human experience of numbers, which is that numbers are a symbolic language used to convey meaning. What do I mean? I'll give you an example, and perhaps you'll understand. Take the number 40, for instance. 40 days of rain in the flood, 40 days Moses on the mountain, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 days until a fetus in the womb is gendered. Oh, I understand. 40 days is this transition from one state to another. So you get the idea? And so when I think about Hanukkah, there's a certain number that jumps right out at me, and that number is 36. Now, where does the number come from? Don't say double high. It's not twice 18, the numeric value of the word for life, although it is that also. No, this is the sum total of candles that we will all light over the course of eight days of Hanukkah, excluding the shamash, the sort of uh, the servant candle, which is a technical requirement and not part of the mitzvah. The mitzvah candles, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, do the math, will add up to 36. And before we charge into the question of what that number means, it's worth noting, it's by no means obvious that this should be the number which we light. If you look in the Gemara and Shabbat 21b, you can find it there in the source sheet, you'll see that mitzvah Hanukkah ner ish uveto, the core mitzvah of Hanukkah is that there should be one candle lit by the, lit by the head of the household per household, which would amount to eight candles. And that those who are mahadrin, right, those who who attempt to beautify the mitzvah, right? Each one in their house lights one. And those who are mahadrin, mina mahadrin, the choicest of the choice practitioners, end up lighting one more each day, according to Beit Hillel, and one less each day, according to Beit Shammai. And of course, the widespread custom in Am Yisrael is to light an eight-branched menorah, one candle on the first day, two on the second, three on the third, and so forth. So we see that there's actually a deep desire for hidul mitzvah, which is expressed in this number 36, for beautifying the mitzvah, right? Now, what do we mean by beautifying the mitzvah? First of all, it's in the simple aesthetic sense. I can tell you that one of my most beloved images, my religious sort of uh, icons in my mind, if I can borrow that word, is the eighth night of Hanukkah in my house. Now, my wife and I are blessed with five children, and each of us lights our own Hanukkah, which means that on the eighth night, there are 56 mitzvah candles plus eight, I'm sorry, plus seven shamashim blazing throughout the house. And what could be more beautiful than that? But Hidul Mitzvah 
is about more than aesthetics. It's also about fulfilling the mitzvah in the best way possible. And the mitzvah, which is embodied in the Hanukkah lights, is, of course, Pirsume Nisa, the advertising of the miracle, letting the whole world know that we overcame the darkness of Greece and we let our light shine for eight full nights. And apparently, there's no better way to let the world know that we overcame the darkness of Greece than with 36 candles specifically. Now, why why might that be? Now, before we come to the candles, I want to get a handle on the number because there's another 36 which you might be familiar with in Jewish tradition, the so-called 36 hidden righteous people. The legends of what's called the Lamed Vavnikim, because Lamed Vav is the numeric or alphanumeric so for the number 36, these legends are without end, that they remain hidden, often appearing to be coarse, crude individuals who could never be mistaken for a tzaddik, for a righteous one, or perhaps that they themselves don't even know that they're one of the 36, that they emerge from hiding only when the darkness is so great that they must personally fight it, but in exposing their identity, they themselves die and become replaced by another unknown righteous one. And the origin of this idea of the 36 righteous is actually in the Gemara in Zanhedrin in 97b. Abaye says the world has no fewer than 36 righteous people in each generation who greet the divine presence. As it says, happy are those who wait for him. That him is in reference to God. And lo, that wait for him, lo is lamed vav. And he says the numerical value of lo, spelled lamed vav, is 36. Now, like I said, this is more than math, and it's not even just numeric wordplay. Because when you look at the context from which that verse in Isaiah is taken, it doesn't paint a pretty picture of what's happening in Am Yisrael. The people are described as being in such a low state that we are called a people who, quote, say to the seers, do not see, to the prophets, do not prophesy truth to us, speak to us falsehoods, prophecy, delusions. Now, it's got to be a pretty dark time when we, when we beg of our spiritual leadership and our media to tell us lies, when our eyes are actually so blinded by those lies that we beg the prophets, the speakers of truth, to help deceive us by supporting them. So who then are the 36 righteous? Well, the whole verse that Abaye is quoting there reads like this. Sorry, that's not the right verse. The verse he's quoting is actually the following one. Right, truly the Lord is waiting to show you grace. Truly the Lord will rise to pardon you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Happy are all who wait for him. So these 36 righteous are the ones who, even in the midst of great darkness, even when surrounded, not just by lies, but by a society that actually wants those lies to be told, they know that the light is there. They know that if they wait for it, if they keep looking, it's sure to come. And so that's a very important piece of understanding our number 36. Step one. Another 36 that we need to touch on, and then maybe we can pull it together, is the, the 36 related to the Or Haganuz. You may be familiar with the idea that the original light of creation, which was made, brought forth in that famous and also powerful statement of Vayi'o, let there be light, 
was hidden away. As the Gemara in Chagiga says, Rabbi Elazar says, the light that the Holy One, blessed be he, created on the first day was not that of the sun, but a different kind of light, through which one could observe from one end of the world to the other. But he goes on to say that when the Holy One, blessed be he, looked upon the generation of the flood and of the dispersion, meaning he saw all the ways which humanity would cor- corrupt itself, he was the Holy One was concerned that we might misuse that light for evil, and so God arose and concealed it from them, as it says in Job, and from the wicked, their light is withheld. But this isn't such, just a sort of matter of protecting that light from the wicked and trying to keep it out of their hands, because Gemara continues and said, and for whom did God conceal it? For the righteous people in the future. As it's stated, and God saw the light that it was good, Vayarim Kitov, right? I'm sorry, Vayarim Etaol Kitov. And that Tov, says the Gemara, is referring to none other than the righteous. As it says, once again in Isaiah, Amru Tzadik Kitov. Right? Say of the righteous that it shall be good for them. So we have this original light of creation, hidden away, directly connected, not just connected to, but waiting for the tzaddiking, for the righteous. Now notice the quality of this light. Right? The sages describe it as something that allows one to see from one end of the world to the other. You know, it's interesting, but our light, our eyes see through contrast. We really only know light through darkness, right? And if, if you flood this room with light right now, I would be blinded because there's too much light. But this is a light that we don't actually use to see through contrast. It's a light that somehow allows us to see everything as it actually is, not just in contrast to what it's not. And I did fail to mention back there in our Gemara and Sanhedrin, which first introduced this notion of the 36 righteous, that when Abai asserted that there were only 36 in each generation who merit to receive the divine presence, his Chavruta Rava didn't take that small number lying down, but in fact quotes a verse from the end of the book of Yechezkel that says that, that there will actually be a line of righteous bef- who stand before the Holy One, which is 18,000 parsangs long, which is certainly more than 36 people. And Abai's answer is fascinating. He said, no problem. Abai, this is actually the Gemara's answer. Abai refers to the 36 righteous people who see the divine presence through a luminous crystal, which, by the way, is how we say that Moshe saw God. And that the Rava, when he's referring to this multitude, multitudes who view the divine presence, will be through a crystal which is, let's call it, cloudy. And so we have the Lamed Vav, these 36 righteous, who actually see an illuminated world from one end to the other. They don't know the world through contrast. They don't understand light by, by noticing the darkness. They don't grasp good by knowing that it's not evil. Rather, they see the world as it is. And furthermore, they see an illuminated world. Aspeklaria mi'ira. It's an luminous crystal. They carry some of that hidden light with them at all times. And therefore, they're able to see the presence of God even in the darkest of places. So that's fascinating. And we understand then why the original light of creation is connected to the righteous. But where's the number 36? Well, for that, we need the Talmud Yerushalmi. Because in the Masechet Brachot, it says, Rabbi Levi says in the name of Rabbi Breza, the light that was created on the first day served for 36 hours. 12 on the eve of Shabbat, Arab Shabbat, 12 Leil Shabbat, Shabbat night, and 12 on the Sabbath day. And there you have it. 36 hours for the original light of creation, 
hidden away for the righteous. The 36 righteous who uphold the world, who themselves, according to tradition, are hidden away. And 36 Hanukkah candles lit by the Mahadrin Min HaMahadrin, those who truly want to be Mahader at the mitzvah, who want to beautify and perform the mitzvah in the best way possible so that the whole world will know of the miracle of Hanukkah. So who's going to draw these three elements together, the original light of creation, the righteous who uphold the world and the Hanukkah candles? Well, for that, we need the Sfas Emes. You could say Sfat Emet, but there was never such a person because the Sfas Emes was the Ger Rebbe in the second half of the 19th century, and he certainly spoke Ashkenazi pronunciation. And he was undoubtedly one of the great Torah minds of his day, perhaps really of all time. You could put him up there, that's for sure. And this is what the Sfas Emes has to say about our number. He says that Rav Elazar of Worms says that the 36 candles we light on Hanukkah parallel the 36 hours for which the original light of the days of creation is shown. Ah, before it was hidden away. So that's important that 36 candles are that hint or, or um, they are they shown with that original light of creation. So then he concludes that that's so it appears that each Hanukkah light draws from the ore of Ganus that hidden light, and gives light in great darkness. And he explains, what's this light in great darkness, just like that original light, allowed you to see from one end of the world to the other? There is no hiddenness or obscurity. There's no helem for this light. Nothing can stand before it. And he says, we call the world olam, which is the same three-lettered root as helem, because it obscures, it's ma'alim, and hides this light. The natural world hides the original light of creation, that God's original intent is masked, as it were, by the world. But, he says, that that original light shines through all the layers of concealment, and it's hidden away, waiting for the righteous who can actually see it. And he says, on, on, on this it's written, the light shines for the upright in the darkness, that again, the righteous are those who can see the light even in the dark. And that original light of creation allows us to see through the mask of the world to the inner light which illuminates all creation. And so the Sfas Amos continues, specifically for our story, the generation which lived in the days of the wicked Greeks walked in darkness. As the sages taught, darkness refers to Greece, which darkened the eyes of Israel. It's part of a larger midrash, where the sages understand the four kingdoms of our exiles, each having its own sort of quality or intrinsic aspect, and somehow the Greeks were the ones who darkened our eyes. Maybe it was through science. Maybe it was through a materialistic worldview that denied the religious creative imagination rooted in the soul. But nonetheless, we locked in darkness and says the nevertheless, they served God with a spirit of self-sacrifice even in the midst of this darkness, and that's why they merited that the hidden light shine for them. So just as we saw in Abai's description of the Lamed Vav, of the 36 righteous, the generation of the Hanukkah story was able to serve God even in the darkness. It was their Mesirut Nefesh, the spirit of self-sacrifice that allowed them to fight a battle, to offer up everything for their mission, the few against the many, the weak against the strong. They couldn't possibly foresee the results because if the dark was present for them in their day, Imagine how dark the future must have looked. And nevertheless, through that great spirit of self-sacrifice, they brought a phenomenal light into the world. A light, which the Svat Emet points out, is available to us even now. As he says, and some of its illumination remains, radiating from year to year, even in these lowly times. 
Every servant of God must rejoice during these days when a touch of the hidden light of creation illuminates divine when a touch of the hidden light of creation illuminates divine service. And then he finishes the primary intent of the wicked ones, meaning the Greeks, was to make us forget God's laws in the Torah, and the Hanukkah lights bring us to remembrance. Then when we see those lights, we know that we're looking somehow at the original light of creation, that we're looking at the original intent of the Creator shining through the mask of the world. So here we have it now. The 36 hours of the original light of creation are a hint to that original divine will, that joyous desire that lit up all creation, you, me, all of us, the desire that we should come to be and that we should serve our creator through the Torah. And then the 36 creation are those who never lose sight of that light. Even when the whole world seems dark, they see the presence of God in their fellow human beings, in the Torah, in all creation. And then finally, the 36 Hanukkah lights share this illumination with you and I, and with the world. Remember, we are the Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin. We're those who beautify the beautiful. That's how we got to the number 36, that we are spreading that light through the process of pursuing Nisa, of advertising the miracle, reminding the whole world, reminding the whole world that the darkness is the illusion, and that the light is what underlies everything. And if we can do that each year, if we light those candles and spread that light, then maybe, just maybe, those candles will teach us to see the whole world in a new light. And who knows? Perhaps one of the 36 is listening even now. Thank you, Rabbi Foyer. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. Jerusalem.